All right, we got a very special guest today. I'm really honored to have on Steve Chang. Steve Chang is an absolute powerhouse. His social media is incredible. He gives tons of great content on his Instagram, on his TikTok. He also has an amazing podcast, Real Estate Disruptors, where he has had anybody and everybody who has been uh, the who's who of real estate, especially on the wholesaling side. He's connected with some of the top names on there, and he is now becoming known as one of the number one sales trainers in the real estate industry. He's mentored tons of guys on, uh, on real estate wholesaling. He owns one of the most successful brokerages as far as uh, market share for size in the Phoenix area. And he's just a very well-known, uh, very respected guy in the industry. And I was very honored to have him on and talk to him. He definitely did not disappoint. He's bought a lot of nuggets, a lot of knowledge. We talk about a bunch of different things about mindset and building business and entrepreneurship. And we addressed a lot of different things about why people start and stop and, and focus issues and all the same trials and tribulations that pretty much anybody has starting, but how he was able to overcome those things, how he was able to build up uh, to where he is today and have the multiple successful legs of his business from not only convincing people to list with him, but potentially sell to him for a cash offer at a discount. Now he's getting into things like innovation agreements, also growing a podcast with a production, growing social media, mentoring, uh, training sales teams, all the different things that he's doing. Uh, I'm very impressed with him as uh, pretty much anybody is who knows who Steve is. So very honored to have him on. Hope you guys really enjoy this. I'm sure uh, no matter where you are, if you're an investor starting out, an investor with experience, if you're on the real estate agent slash brokerage side, or whatever you're doing in business, getting better with sales and getting better with people is always going to help you not only professionally, but personally as well, which we definitely discuss, as well as, as always, uh, we found that martial arts common ground as he is a lifelong martial artist. And again, just a great guy, full of knowledge, gave great content, and I really enjoyed having him on. So thank you so much, Steve Trang. You'll be able to see in the show notes how to find him, find his training, find his company, and uh, obviously find his podcast. So definitely check him out. Also, if you guys want to get involved in real estate, check me out at nicknicknick.com slash links for all the ways to connect with me, whether you want to come on the podcast, whether you would like me to have you on, uh, have me on your podcast, whether you would like to talk about doing some real estate together. That's really what this whole thing is about. Whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way to partner up on some deals, go to nicknicknick.com and or nicknicknick.com slash links to see all the ways we can connect and talk about starting to do some business. Really looking forward to it, getting things off the ground. We recently have done a a lot of wholesaling of mobile home parks and multifamily properties. Uh, we're closing on some land development stuff. Uh, did some really cool wholesale things I talked about on the bigger pockets. And speaking of that, if you would like to see how you can bring more value to your buyers as a real estate wholesaler or as a real estate agent slash broker, you can go check out for limited time www.nicknicknick.com/slash bigger pockets. And for free, you can download a checklist that I have made to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate wholesaler or as a real estate agent slash broker for fix and flips and for cash flow property. Check it out for free, www.nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets. Steve Trang, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, Digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game.
All right. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is a very successful and very well-known entrepreneur. He was born in a refugee camp in Italy, owns a title company. He is the owner of Stunning Homes Realty Brokerage, which is boasting an impressive 1% of market share in the Phoenix market. He is the host of the massively successful Real Estate Disruptors podcast. He is an accidental real estate investor and <laughs> turned into an absolute rock star real estate investor. And again, one of the most successful and well-known faces in the real estate and podcast injury, especially in the Phoenix market. He is the creator of the Offer Fast Homes app and is quickly becoming one of the most well-known sales trainers in the entire country and has been featured on such successful places as the Wolf's Den podcast with the Wolf of Wall Street himself, Jordan Belfort. He is a martial artist a growing TikTok star, a proud father, and he is on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast, and thank you so much for coming on today, Steve Trang. Man, thank you so much for having me, and that was the best intro I think I've ever gotten, so I'm going to have to record this and <laughs> share this in other places. Like When people are like, who are you? It's like, look, listen over here. Listen to this intro. <laughs> I tell Brandon Turner actually said the same thing to me, and I was like, man, it's all I got. I get the intro, and then the rest of the podcast goes up in flames from there. But uh, yeah, man, you have a qu quite an impressive resume, and I've been watching. I actually found you. I knew who you were, but I really got to, to, to really get attached to your style and really be impressed when I saw you in the Closures Olympics, which I definitely mm. want to talk a little bit more about. But for people who maybe aren't super familiar with you yet, can you give just a quick 30,000-foot snapshot? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, someone said, like, I'm the first person that they met that's a serial entrepreneur. That's not a disaster, you know, because <laughs> most people that are serial entrepreneurs are the ones like, you know, they try this, fail, try this, fail, try this, failed, right? Like, um, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I'm obsessed with business. Um, I'm in real estate and everything I touch is real estate. But I've told people before, like, I love everything about real estate except for houses and people. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur, just real estate is just a vehicle, right? Um, and so for me, I, I, I fell into it, uh, by accident, just like everyone else, when they fall into real estate initially, it's not, you know, I'm going to grow up and be a real estate investor. I'm going to grow up and be a realtor. It's like, you just fall into it. You read about a book, rich dad, poor dad It's like, Oh wait, there's this whole other world that's available. And I think today, 2021, you have access to all this podcast, all this information. It's not as earth shattering. But in 2006, 2005, when you pick up Rich Dad Poor Dad, we've been indoctrinated our whole lives to go to school, get a good job, or get good grades, to go to a good college, so get a good job. And that was kind of like what opened my eyes and kind of fell into real estate on accident. I think that's awesome. I literally started the same exact way, 2005, 2006, first book I read against, against my will, my mom forced me to read it, was Rich Dad Poor Dad. I just opened my eyes. What's your take on the fact that today, there's so much free information out there. There's times that I feel so blessed by being able to pull a book or a podcast or an Instagram post or get on a webinar. And then there's other times that I absolutely hate it. And it, it drives me in a million directions. And then you, you get on one and then you get conflicting information on the other. Mm -hmm. it's, it could be a, a, you know, like anything else, a weapon or a tool, depending on how you use it and how you take it. But how are you dealing with it? Uh, well, this sounds ridiculous perhaps, but I don't consume a lot of content. Um, you know, I create content. I don't really consume a lot of content. I'm surrounded by a lot of people because of the content I've created. And I, I actually push a lot of people to create content. I don't necessarily encourage people to consume content, but obviously you have to start somewhere. Uh, as far as being overloaded with information, I think that's great. I think um, for us, when we started, right, 2005, 2006, what you needed to be successful is different than what you need to be successful today. Right. And uh, there was a book outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, where he talks about like Bill Gates and Steve jobs. Like those are the two guys that crushed it. Right. When, in, in the computer industry, it was the right time in the right place. 
And so like you could not be a, a, a Steve Jobs or Bill Gates today, right? If you try to start over, like you couldn't. So there's a right time and a right place uh, where you can tinker with computers and then this kind of computer evolution took off and then you get to ride that wave. For us, we got to ride that wave a little bit. You know, we got to enjoy larger fees, larger deals, right? We got to ride the crash as well. Uh, today, um, what we have is more information, so there's more competition. So the guy that has more focus and more clarity and more drive can be successful. So information is abundantly available. We have a lot more competition than we ever had before, but that doesn't mean we can't be successful. We just need to have different skill sets that we need to master to win today. I love that. I think the the focus part is so important. And that's that's something every day I almost have to tell myself. My partner wants to slap me all the time. She's always like, what are you doing? But the whole premise of the um, Gary Keller book, that first page that says, chase two rabbits, catch none. Mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of that every day. I think it's so smart. But with you, I, I, actually, I had it on our list to talk about later, but it's a perfect transition. With you focusing, I think that you're a little bit of an anomaly because you have the realtor side of it, you have the wholesale side of it, you have the sales training side of it, you have the podcast side of it, and you're doing so much stuff on on social media and you're posting on Instagram and then you're coming on my podcast. And how do you focus on on what's important? I mean, I'm sure saying yes and saying no to the right and wrong things, but just being successful in one of those things, I feel like is a full-time job and focus in itself. And you've managed to be successful in multiple arenas. So how, how do you manage that? Well, I think the key here is that I didn't do it all at once. So, you know, the first six years in my business, I was a realtor. And then I opened a brokerage. And then a few years later, I opened a title company. And then after that, I went uh, actively wholesale. And then after that, I started a sales training. So it was an iteration where uh, Dan Sullivan, the guy that wrote the Who Not How, basically the way he describes it, us as entrepreneurs, us serial entrepreneurs, I can't focus. We can start something and push the boulder and get it 80% going. And once we get it 80% going, we're actually going to be terrible at that last 20%. So we need to hire rock stars to keep that boulder moving. And then once we've got that, now we're allowed to move the next boulder. And so I think the key here is not that I just like started all these companies, they're all great. It was a lot of sucking the first six years. Right. And then that was finally going. And then we did this next thing and that sucked for a long time. And then we finally got that going and we learned along the way. So the next businesses didn't suck as much in the beginning. And we also got to leverage and parlay our existing relationships to get these other businesses going faster. And honestly, we're just getting started. Like what I see in the future in the next few years is even be bigger than where we are today. I love that. So what, what are your plans for the future? Where do you, where are you excelling from here? Cause obviously you're, like you said, serial, serial entrepreneur. So you have all these other legs of your business. Where is that mm-hmm. going to take you? Uh, so the next component is really going to be the media. So um, we're in 2,900 square feet right now. And uh, well, we were, and then last week we absorbed our neighbor. Uh, so we got another 3000 square feet. So we're going to have about 6,000 square feet of, uh, of space. And all of that 3000 is going to be dedicated to media. So uh, we hired three guys on Monday. So just three days ago, uh, we got a social media marketing uh, genius. We got a video genius and we got a graphic designer. And I, they came as a package and actually recruited them from someone else who's really successful in town at social media. Because um, <laughs> I'm attracted to talent, right? If I find talent, remember we're saying rock stars that can push the rocks. I found these three guys and they were working somewhere else. And, you know, like I wanted it. <laughs> So I got it. 
Um, and it was a long push, you know, it was about six weeks of recruiting, uh, but we got them. And now that's what we're going to use to launch and take off even further in social media. Awesome. And is that, that's going to start building the brand out for the sales training? That's going to be building out for uh, sales training. So right now we're really focused on real estate and uh, sales training, which is, you know, what my core focus is at this exact moment. And it pays really well. It's really lucrative. Uh, but the problem is that the num the, there's a lot of people in real estate, right? It seems like everyone's in real estate. But the pool of people not in real estate is a lot bigger than the pool of people in real estate. And so we're going to generalize it a little bit and sell that to the general public at scale, right? So that's that's what we're looking at as far as future growth. I love that, man. It's, and I definitely want to dig deep into the sales part of it. As far as your your real estate strategy, I know you have a couple of different legs. I know you've talked about giving multiple offers, but what's your current business model for people who don't know? Because I know you, you have a, a couple of different sides and offers that you give to yeah. potential sellers. Well, we look, the two main ones that we, we focus on at this exact moment, and we're actually adding to it is listing or buying, right? Either we're going to buy your house or we're going to list it. And this all started when I first got into coaching back in 2011, which was the, your home sold guarantee or we'll buy it. So we'll show up to a, a seller's house. Like, you know, I'll sell it. I'll list your house. And if after four months, if we can't sell it, then we'll buy it ourselves. And we kept getting this question. like, well, why don't you just buy it now? I was like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like we got to list it in <laughs> the market. If we're wrong on the price, then the penalty is we have to buy it. And after a while, we had a few people was like, no, I rather just buy it today. And then we were buying them at 80%. And people, too many people were saying yes. So, okay, we need to back that number down. So let's back it down to 75%. And people were still saying yes. And we actually ran out of money. And so once we started running out of money, we stopped buying it and we had to start wholesaling. So I went from 70, 80% to 75%. And then I had to reduce my offer from 75% to 75% minus 10,000 so I can get an assignment fee. And I got to tell you, I didn't believe that was possible until these sellers kept pushing me to buy their house. And it wasn't like, hey, I want to make you a low ball offer. It was like, hey, I want you to buy my house. It's like, I don't want to buy your house. It's like, you need to buy it. It's like, well, if I'm going to buy it, it has to be at this price. And they kept saying yes. And so I became a wholesaler. <laughs> so that's that, that. So those are two options we offer, but we're adding Novations, uh, which is the Brewer method. And we're adding creative. So we just locked up a deal. I think uh, yesterday we're buying a house, 0% interest over 15 years. And then we're going to resell it uh, at a higher price, at a higher interest rate with 20% down. Nice. So, that's awesome, Andy. I love I love the different tools, and I think again, it, it's it's such great stuff to come back cyclically. That if the market turns the way that people are, are it's way overdue for mm -hmm. those creative strategies. I think are going to be just slam dunks. And I love watching what you guys are doing. Again, I know you have a you guys are a force to be reckoned with out there with you. And I had Pace Morby on already, and like his mm -hmm. stuff's just awesome. So you guys are yeah. you guys are all stars, man. I like it. Well, we um, have to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, the mindset stuff you talked about, I as much as some people want to roll their eyes and say the mindset's not important, it, it consistently comes up as the the belief system there. And what you just said was, you know, I didn't believe that somebody would sell me their house for that price. How much of that comes into play for you in business and everything you do? Obviously, starting out a little bit more, but now you're branching out to these different things. Do you have to constantly reteach yourself and reprep yourself to take the next steps and 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 go after that stuff, or? How did you train yourself to go after the things you believe in and tackle that, especially when you're looking at, you know, the average person now you talk to them and they say, Hey, I want to get into real estate wholesaling. All right. Well, it's competitive. And then they go, well, I want to get into real estate wholesaling in Phoenix. And then it's like, 
you're going to hear, oh, there's no deals. There's too many people but you're successful there. So it has mm-hmm. to come from some sort of belief there. So um, what's your take on the importance of mindset and how do you keep your mind so sharp and focused to keep pushing forward? Uh, so the mindset I think is, is the most important thing uh, because, and, and the very first book I got when I got into real estate after Rich Dad I was thinking grow rich. Mindset is so key. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of glossed over uh, and we take it for granted us as business owners. We take it for granted. It's like, it's no big deal. But then we we see these new batch of investors trying to get in and you see them quit so quickly. You know, it's sad. Um, but, you know, and I think that part partially has to do with the way they were raised. Um, but I think mindset is absolutely key because there's going to be so much adversity. And I tell people all the time, like, hey, when you get in this business, just know it's going to suck. It's going <laughs> to suck. It's going to suck hard. That's just the way it is. But it's worth it. It's worth it on the other side. But it is going to suck really bad there's gonna be a lot of sacrifice uh, i know you were in mma i was in the ufc really hard i watched all the big ufc fights and once i started in 2007 i actually haven't paid for to watch a ufc fight since uh so the two things i sacrificed i was a big time suns fan big time ufc fan and i stopped watching suns games and i stopped watching ufc and i loved it i loved it right but, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? What price are you willing to pay for success? Because for me, I, am, I care more about my success and my family's future than this other guy's stats. I love that. It's the old, uh, when people go, you know, I don't know why you're looking up to Derek Jeter. He's not going to pay your bills. It's, like it's, it's true at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, it I is. So, um, you know, talking about the sales training stuff, the t- two of the things that stuck out to me that I was super impressed with, me and my my business partner, Nicole, who is like one of the best closers I've ever met in my life. She just, she's got a great brain for business. She's really good at reading people. And she was kind of running around and we were doing stuff here because it was like a two day thing that if people don't know that they got all the top sales trainers for, for real estate and one thing and everybody had to make live calls. And it was a really cool thing. But you got on with one of them and she literally stopped in her tracks because this lady was all over you and you were just so calm and cool and like poker face, like typical, Mm -hmm. just cool as a cucumber. And she was like, that guy's good. She's like, he's not letting her break her. Like, and you did really awesome. So that started to make us take notice of you. And then I watched you do the same thing, a similar thing, the Wolf of Wall Street, when you were on that podcast he started really going after you and grilling you yeah, and he you were able to kind of like bob and weave and kind of, yeah. you know, like you're doing all the stuff and you kept it on course and you would bring it right back. And you, mm-hmm. it was just great, man. You, you handled yourself so well and you were able to, to keep your composure and, and deal with all these different, and both of those people that I saw you handle so perfectly were completely different people, yep. but you did such a great job. So obviously that's a huge part of sales is, is learning how to deal with different personalities, but I was very impressed with you. So talk a little bit about what you're doing. Cause I know right now your goal of creating a hundred millionaires, a big part of that is the sales training part of it. And I'm growing my business now on the real estate side and trying yeah. to train my sales guys. And it, it's not easy, man. So there's a huge need for somebody like you. It's not easy. And so I think the big thing is being obsessed with greatness. And truth be told, three years ago, a little bit before three years ago, if you met me, I was a ter- terrible salesperson. I would say my biggest weakness was sales. And I would actually hire other salespeople that were pushier than me because I would be like, you need to think about it? Okay, no problem. Right. <laughs> um, and so that was my weakness. And once I learned that there's a sales process that you can, you know, scientifically, psychologically engineer all of this. 
I got obsessed with it and I went hard on it, studied it, and I'm still studying sales. And so I would say that the, you look at fighting, right? You get humbled really quick, like especially your first day. I mean, I still remember my very first workshop, you know, we had these three-day boot camps and like the grandmaster walked up to me. He's like, you know, any volunteers? And I'm always, I'm the guy that always volunteers. He brings me up and he does something and I flinch. And he's like, he, he laughs at me in front of everybody. He's like, this guy's afraid to get punched in the face. I was like, shouldn't everyone be afraid of getting punched <laughs> in the face? But you kind of grow, right? And so I think mastery is one of those things that you you pursue in martial arts. You don't just get into martial arts for the, for the fun of it. And it is fun, but you get into it because you want to master something. And it's the same approach in sales and business and I think that for me, I was really fortunate. We talked about earlier how you build these businesses and you have other people support it. Uh, I was really lucky that I was a place in my career where once I had a chance to study sales, I could just rely on my team to keep things going. And I'm just going to study hard every single week and get better and master this craft. I love that. And I did hear you say a few times, there was some great content that you're putting out. Obviously, we'll, we'll give out your social media stuff, but you had a great Instagram post about people getting on the phone and making cold calls. And you were mm -hmm. talking about, there's really no replacement for you initially getting on and just learning how to do it yourself and figuring out the ins and outs of that. And, you know, I started doing that for sure. And it was interesting because when I started really monitoring my closers, there's so much more attention. Like you can spot those things where if he says one or two words differently, from the script that he's given, it completely changes the entire tone and reaction of the seller. And you start to see like, if they say this, you're gonna get this, I've seen that happen, don't say that. But starting out, a lot of people don't realize how important like every single word, what you say and how you say it makes Absolutely. all of the difference, you know? It's, it's all the like, difference, all the difference. And the thing that people forget is that we are responsible for how that message is delivered. So it's not like, I'm gonna say these words, I'm responsible for how I say it because I need you to receive it a certain way. And so, A, I need you to receive it and process it the way I want it delivered. And I'm responsible for that outcome. But also, I am fully responsible for when you say something that I understand it completely. And the, the thing that was really fascinating with the Closest Olympics is the feedback. I got two things, which I, you know, I appreciated the feedback. It was an honor. First one, I'm the king of awkward silence. Um, and then the second was that I was the king of objection handling. And what's interesting is if you actually genuinely want to understand what's going on in someone's world, there are no objections, right? So like, I didn't hear a single objection. I'm not saying this to brag, say I'm this great objection handler. When they would give an objection, I would test it. I would say, well, what does that really mean? Elaborate on that. You know, so the example, I think the one you're talking about is like, my house isn't for sale anymore. It's like, oh, great. You sold it. And they said, no, it's not sold yet. It's like, oh, so then you were able to take care, you know, of that problem we were dealing with. She's like, I wasn't able to take care of that problem. Then I was like, I don't understand. And then she started talking and we found out her house was really for sale. Still, right? But I didn't just accept something at face value. I, when, whenever something was said, I was like, let's just test this. Let's see what this really means. So I'm responsible for when she says her house isn't for sale is really understanding is the house really not for sale. And it's a different mindset and i look going back to to martial arts i study kung fu i know it's not the sexiest style for mma but the the the, the idea for for kung fu which is similar to aikido and a couple other different styles is that i'm going to take whatever you're going to give me and i'm going to work with that 
I'm not coming with a plan. I'm not coming with, I'm going to do this, this, and this. There's no, like, it's not like football where you script the first 15 plays. I'm going to take whatever you give me and bring it right back to you. And that's, that, that's our sales approach. I love that. And again, I'm, I'm a big martial arts fan. There's, it all teaches you something regardless of, of what it is. And like you said, what you take from it, the discipline, the humbleness, just, just the structure, I think it all brings something. And a lot of the early UFC guys, I mean, that, that's what they all started out with. You look at some of the biggest guys that were around up until very recently, and they said their base was Kung Fu. So all those traditional martial arts, they all play their part to where people got today. You know, yep. what you're saying is really interesting. So from the, from the sales side of it, are you dealing strictly with training salespeople or are you also training salespeople on how to train their salespeople? Is there like a couple of different legs to your sales training? Uh, no, I, I train. So I train different groups, two different groups of people. Uh, first is salespeople and I train all salespeople together in a group. The other one is entrepreneur and business. And that's a totally different call, uh, totally different group. But um, that mastery component, the being the best business owner, the leadership component, because um, if you're not the best option for their success, best vehicle for their success, they're either going to leave you to work for somebody else or to compete against you. And so you need to be the best possible uh, vehicle for their success. Um, we had a debate a couple of months ago where uh, they asked me, "Is like, how come you don't have a non-compete in your contract? And my answer is simple. It's like, your job right? Nick, if Nick works for me, your job is to make the most amount of money for you, take care of your family, take care of business for Nick, right? That's your responsibility. My responsibility as a business owner is making working for me the best possible decision for Nick. And if that's the case, and if that's my mindset, and I build my business to support that, there's no reason for it not compete because Nick's never going to leave. So that's our mindset. And so we're talking about business coaching that's what we talk about on those calls how to be the best possible leader the best version of yourself possible so that no one will ever want to compete against you do you find a lot of the business coaches and the leadership people that come to you for help initially or at some level don't even realize that they're not taking accountability because that's that's been a massive thing that i've seen and once i learned at the end of the day that you know i do need to take accountability and when people tell me stuff to take it in and think about it instead of firing back and getting defensive yeah i see it in almost every conversation throughout my day and to me like there was a couple of people that i was working with you know a, a guy i was doing a deal with and then somebody that was working for me and, and the second i have like almost a zero zero tolerance for that now when i go to give something and they cut me off and then initially fire back with all the run and go hey man you know just life lessons regardless of whatever but taking accountability and taking some, some of the stuff you're hearing mm -hmm. to really ingest it and try and help better yourself after four or five people say the same thing to you. Maybe it's not them, yeah. you know, and then however, everybody's they take a jerk. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. just coming through business, well, I guess a double-edged question here. One of them is how did you learn to accept and take and, and see how important accountability was in your life? And then how much of you seeing that as being a crucial role for successful leadership? Absolutely crucial. Um, I think leadership, today I teach sales and I think sales is the most valuable skill today as far as like making money, but leadership is the most important skill. If you're going to be a business owner, there's no, there's no skill that's more important than being a great leader. Um, I, I learned it a lot uh, in reading books. I, I've digested a ton of books, you know, I read a lot of books, John Maxwell, that's the guy when it comes to leadership, right? Uh, I've gone through Darren Hardy and learned a lot more about leadership there. I went through strategic coach, learned about leadership there. So there's a lot of places I learned about leadership, but I would also say, uh, the one thing that helped a lot 
is playing sports growing up, playing basketball, you know? Um, and I didn't have, I never, I got cut, never made past first cuts, you know, in any of the uh, school sports, but I played a lot of basketball in my life. And you can see the ones that were good were the ones that took responsibility, you know, like my bad missing that shot. Hey, I should have, I should have switched over. I should have called that screen out, whatever. The ones that took responsibility for the outcomes were the ones that had more success. And so I think playing sports, you kind of learn it and you're, you're attracted to the people that, that display accountability or ownership versus the ones that don't like the ones that are uncoachable, the one that's, you know, we always call them like the black hole where like you're passing the ball, you're just never getting the ball back. Just <laughs> you see, you see the, the qualities of someone that's good and you, and you pursue that. And so I think that opportunity and also um, the friends you grew up with, you know, if you have the right friends, you kind of see this behavior. And so I was lucky that my parents moved me to an area where the kids were uh, growing up in successful areas even though my, my, my parents weren't successful, <laughs> we lived in an area where everyone had a lot of money. That helps. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. As, as far as expectation with, uh, with the, the groups, you know, I, I listen obviously to a lot of different trainings and I hear so many different wholesalers on your podcast, which we'll talk about next, but scripts are really important. And then it, it's, again, a little bit of a, a tight thing to see how much of, of it do you rely on scripts? And then you have your part of it where you're saying like, you have to take what's given and learn how to be a little bit flexible. And I find when you're trying to train salespeople on the phone, especially acquisitions guys in real estate, it almost seems contradictory where you're like, look, follow the script. And then it's like, well, you have to be a little bit more flexible. It's like, well, you just said follow the script. Like, where is that happy medium there? Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I'm not a very big fan of scripts. We have scripts. We have scripts, but I always look at scripts like a roadmap, right? Uh, the script is not to be read verbatim because if you read it verbatim, you're not going to have the tonality, you're not going to have pauses, the, the, um, the, you know, you got to do the late night FM DJ voice. You got to have the curiosity, <laughs> like all these different pieces to the script. So the script alone is not sufficient. And so for us, when we train, we train everyone on a framework, a process. And if you have a framework, a process, then it doesn't matter where you are, you'll be able to figure it out. Um, I'm trying to think what like, the best analogy is, um, but you can't, you can't just, tell them if this, then this, if this, then this, like that is not a training, right? That's, um, it's a very, uh, dumbed down, top down, uh, dichotomy of teaching. Really what we want to have is someone that has a basic framework. And if you give them a framework, it doesn't matter who's coming at you, right? We're talking about the different uh, sellers. It doesn't matter how they're coming at you. You know how to respond appropriately. You have the right answer because you can pull it from your existing framework versus like, you know, everyone thinks sales is like having a, you know, the book of magic answer is like, Oh, here's what you say when they say this, here's what you say when you say that. And there's truth there. There's some tactical stuff that works really well, but those tactics came about 
because we created those answers out of a framework. So you might know how to handle these, the top three or five objections because you've trained on it. But then when you get that seventh or eighth objection, you might get stumped because you don't have like, you know, if they say this, here's what you say, but you've got a framework. It doesn't matter what objection they give you. You have, you have an answer for it. I think that's brilliant. I love that. And again, I think, like you said, setting up the expectation for on all levels, like with the person you're talking to and with the person you're training is huge. And you, you did talk about how I think I thought it was hysterical that you said every business, when I started for the first five or six years, it sucked. And now all anybody's seeing is all the highlights of who knows if those people are even successful. But as much as I, I hate to hear that you struggled, it's, it's refreshing sometimes to say, oh, it's not just me. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not the guy out there who's like day one buying a Lambo and like everybody, I'm, I'm never firing anybody. And, you know, so I think that part of the entrepreneurial stuff, like you said, the, the cool part is more and more people are seeing that it is possible to be an entrepreneur and make your own money and not have to work the nine to five. But I think the other part is like, like I've heard you use the word calloused a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think enough people are out there sharing that side of it of like, yeah, you see me doing this, but what you don't see and what you didn't see me, like the amount of times I almost threw in the towel and, and just almost couldn't take it anymore. And then had to restructure right. and start all over. Like, those are the things that I think are really the stories of success that people need to hear more than like the shiny cars and the vacations and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, well, what you, good. That, that was actually what was kind of cool in the closest Olympics is they asked me to come on. They're like, you know, Steve has this sales training program, but we don't know much about it. You know, he's got this podcast. So like they asked me to come on because I had a podcast, I can help promote it, right? So because I'm an influencer, they're like, you know, let's put Steve on, on the closest Olympics. They had no idea I could sell because they've never seen me have to grind. <laughs> and like, they're like, man, that was incredible. I was like, you guys don't know. Like I've been grinding for 13 years. Like, uh, you know, I kind of made the joke, like you're bringing on a grizzled bet, but I've been doing this longer than the rest of you guys, right? So it was pretty cool to display that and, and receive the, the recognition because they had no idea that I could close. Now you were a sleeper on that for sure, man. It, it was cool. It was it was awesome to like you definitely got the attention of everybody quick with the way you were handling stuff. I, I yeah. thought it was great. Um, for your sales training now, so what kind of stuff are, are you teaching about how to deal with people? Like the like go over a little bit of what people are learning as part of your training. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I look at sales, it's all encompassing from the first phone call, right? Like you do the marketing, you get the list, but from the first phone call, we teach how to go from the first phone call until close of escrow and i say close of escrow because a lot of people think once you got a signed contract it's done it's not you've got to keep them closed from when you sign the contract until it closes because there is no code of ethics in in the real estate investing world there's no wholesaling you know board where you say you know what i had the seller and then nick called them i want to file an ethical complaint against nick there's none of that right so we got to keep them sold from when you sign the contract until it closes. And we talk about how to set the proper expectations so that you can build a, an effective moat around the house where there's nobody else trying to, uh, um, what's the word, persuade the seller to cheat on you, <laughs> right? So that we, we encompass all of it. And in that, there's a lot of neuro-linguistics programming, relationship building, how to effectively communicate with somebody like we touched on earlier, and the coolest thing, and I wish I learned this a long, long time ago, the coolest thing about being a better salesperson is that you connect better with other people, uh, with your employees, your business partners, your spouse, your kids. I use it on my kids all the time. In fact, I use it so much on my kids that 
you know, they try to use it on me, it doesn't work. But they try <laughs> to use it on, on, on my wife, it definitely works, uses it on grandma, you know, I don't know if they're using it at school yet. Um, I got a four year old. And the things we talk about is um, reversing, which is like pulling more information out of somebody, like they say something, and you want to pull more information out of it. So on Tuesday, I had to take her to grandma's house. And I don't ever take them to grandma's house in the morning. I take two oldest to school and that's it. Uh, change the routine. I had to take her to grandma's house while my wife took the kids to school. And so I wake her up and I'm going through her closet and she's like, what are you doing? So I'm getting your clothes. And she said, and this is what she says, four, All right? This is just <laughs> reversing four. I said, because we need to change your clothes. And then she responds with, and so I can take you to grandma's house. Right. But just those two little words went from, um, I'm getting your clothes to change your clothes to take you to grandma's house. And this is that pulling, you know, we are responsible for pulling all the, all the, all the information from the other person. My four-year-old's already doing that. <laughs> and I can't imagine where she's going to be once she gets to our age. That's awesome, man. That's exciting. So talking about, first off, congratulations on the success of your wildly popular Real Estate Disruptors podcast. You have Thank had- you some of the most amazing guests on there. You give great content on there. You deserve all the success you've had there. I listen to it constantly. Um, growing your podcast, what are some of the things you've done to, well, first off, why did you start it? And then what have you been doing to help grow it to where it is today? Uh, so the first goal was to marry the realtor and the wholesaler community because there's a lot of us versus them. That was the initial goal. And we launched it three years ago this month. That has been a massive failure that went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> I tried. So that was the first goal. Uh, as far as growing it, um, I was fortunate to start at a time where Facebook was pushing a lot of videos, right? There was this trend and it was starting before then, but I was able to ride that wave. And so I knew if I wanted to, to grow a podcast that would blow up faster, I needed to be different. So I was thinking, how can I be different? I'm going to Facebook live this, by the way, that makes me uncomfortable. So I know I'm doing something right. So I'm going to Facebook live this um, and then we're going to do it in studio. You know, like we could do it over Zoom like we're doing here. But I was saying like, we're going to do this in studio. And thankfully, I'm in Phoenix where I could get away with that. It'd be kind of hard to pull that off in other parts of the country. Uh, but Phoenix, right, we're the Mecca for the, we're the guru capital uh, of the world. <laughs> so I could I could do this. And I said, you know, what? I can do this for like two or three months. And if I can hold this line, I can maybe get some other people to fly in. And fortunately, I did at Rafael Vargas, who's maybe not in the business anymore, but got him on the show at Max Maxwell on the show. And once I had those two, it was game over. I can, I, I can now require people to come onto the uh, sort of studio. So those are the two things, um, uh, being live face-to-face -face and being live on Facebook. Now we're live on Facebook and YouTube, actually live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Awesome. Now. I love that. Yeah. It's interesting. So the, the podcast stuff there with the guests that you've had, it, it is funny to see some of the names you said, some of them are, are kind of in and then they're kind of out. And mm -hmm. I've seen them on different masterminds when, when things were changing. So it's always interesting to get the different perspectives and, and see who's around. But you've been somebody that's been around real estate and investing and doing this for before the crash. Mm -hmm. And yep. I see a lot of the big names that are out there that are, you know, showing the fancy cars and their, their business is killing it but they've never had to really get creative or struggle as far as it being a down market. What, what is your take on how the landscape's going to look? Cause I'm sure some people are not going to make it. And I think other guys that it's, it almost becomes a crystal ball. 
when people are like, oh my God, it's going to go the other way. And there's going to be these foreclosures and these short sales. I'm like, well, good. That's kind of, isn't that what everybody was waiting for? Everybody was upset. Like the market's too yeah. competitive. Prices are too high. And then COVID hit and they were like, oh my God, there. I was like, but that wasn't that kind of what everybody, I don't know. I just thought it was, it was what everyone like, wanted. And I was <laughs> waiting and I was ready for it. But that evolution, that next step after that, never, the other shoe never dropped with COVID. Um, but I think that A, a lot of them haven't been through a previous recession. Um, but I think B, it's not as relevant anymore that they haven't. I think if we didn't have the podcasts and we didn't have all this information out there, maybe it would be more relevant, right? Like, I think if you survive the dot-com, not dot-com, if you survive the savings and loan crisis, you're probably better prepared for 2001 with a dot-com bust in 2007 with the massive recession. I think this next crisis that we have, whenever we have it, it won't be as devastating as far as, because uh, it won't be as devastating because you didn't have the experience because of the prevalence of, of knowledge out there today. Um, I think if it, if it hurts somebody, it's because they weren't sufficiently uh, uh, capitalized uh, or um, they're just not the right business owner they need to be at the moment, right? So it's not the lack of experience, it's just maybe they're not the business owner, the leader they need to be to survive that crisis. Um, so for me, I, I survived that last one. Well, I wouldn't survive. Say I survived. Um, I mean, it was tattered, you know, it was horrible. So I guess survived, but scarred, right? Um, but I would say right now, because of the connections and the network I have, I know people that have been doing this for decades, right? And so I can not only rely on my experience, but I can rely on their experience. And so I think the, the knowledge and the relationships that you create today will help you survive whatever is coming next. So I, I don't think the experience is, is as important as being the leader and the business owner to be prepared for it, if that makes sense. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833 0585 for your free online drum lesson. That makes total sense. I think that that's a great answer and a, and a great perspective on that. And I think that's, well, you know, we'll talk about masterminds and stuff like that too. But I think being around people like that, that like you said, I, I struggled a lot in the last downturn. I made it through, but it was a lot of hard lessons because I didn't have people that had been through it to go to. And, and it was really hard to vet out. It was only the immediate circle that you had. And mm -hmm. if they didn't pick up the phone, there wasn't a Facebook group or a podcast or social media. So. No, none of that information was available. So you had to bootstrap it. You had to go to Urea or every, maybe everyone <laughs> else was lost. You, you join these other, you know, you talk to the other realtors who are also lost. Like everyone was lost, you know? Uh, but today, like there's no reason to be like, if something bad happened tomorrow, there's no reason for you to be lost next week. There are people talking, when we had COVID, I was on multiple panels, right? Um, they're like, hey, what do you think? What are your experience? What do you, how do you foresee this? 
And there was different answers from different industry experts. So I don't think the experience is important um, to survive it as it is being the right leader and, and having the right relationships. I agree, man. It's nice that this time you don't have to e-fax your coach and wait for him to send you back yeah. the response. You can text and hope he, And hope he's still in business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. So you, you have an interesting take too, because you are one of the few podcasts that when COVID happened, I heard multiple people. Like I remember I was talking to uh, Tiffany High recently and she was like, hop on a plane, going to do Steve Chang's podcast. So you mm-hmm. stuck with it in person. Did you mm-hmm. get any resistance from that? Or were people kind of relieved to be like, yeah, let me, let me get a change of scenery and get some sun. Yeah, I got a ton of resistance. You know, I had so many people that like reached out. I was like, I want to be in your podcast. I was like, well, got to come to the studio. And they're like, well, I'm not coming to the studio. I said, okay, well, then it's not going to work. And so a lot of those people that I had rejected reached out again. I said, hey, you know, now that it's got COVID, are you going to be doing this over Zoom? To which I responded, hell no. Like, <laughs> this is the way we've, we've done it. I would rather not have a podcast than, um, than change the delivery, right? I don't want to water down the, what we have, the expectations, the quality, and so on. So I was on hold. I want to say for like maybe a month and a half, six to eight weeks. It wasn't that long because I'm in Arizona, which it felt like COVID never happened, you know? And obviously we had that spike because we acted as if COVID never happened. Um, but I mean, as far as I, everyone I know personally, did fine with COVID, like physically. Like, I don't know anyone that got sick. I don't know anyone that, that I'm sorry. I don't know anyone that got devastatingly sick. I know multiple people that were wrecked for a week. That happens, but I don't know anyone that got really bad. So I'm also introverted, so I don't have giant circle. Maybe Fair that enough. puts it in perspective. Yeah, definitely. Is there any dream guest that you haven't had on yet that you really look forward to having in the future? Yeah, I'm still waiting for Donald Trump. You know, um, I think he'd be a great guest. I, I think he might be low polarizing. I don't know. Seems <laughs> like seems like that's that's how it appears <laughs> on the news. But man, think of how many. I, I, I wonder if we can crack 10,000 or 100,000 live views with Trump <laughs> on the podcast. I think it'll, awesome. be a, it'll be a good bet, a good bet to yeah. make. And you he'll know, probably I, be the most challenging to, to rein in, but I, I, I would love to do that. Yeah, going live with that, man. That's ballsy. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have Facebook shut you down midstream. Yeah, when uh, Joe Rogan bowed out, like he's like, you know, I'll, do, I'll host the fourth debate. And he bowed out. I was like, I'll do it. Nice. You like you said, you're the guy who's always going to volunteer, right? Yeah, exactly. Nice, man. I like that. Is there anybody that surprised you or inspired you or completely changed your perspective on him? Like for instance, I Jordan Harbinger on my show and I was never a Kobe Bryant fan, which might hurt your feelings as a basketball fan. But when I heard him on Jordan's podcast and realized all my misconceptions of him were completely wrong, Mm -hmm. I really became a big fan by learning more about him. And it was just one of those ones where I did a complete 180. Is there any of the guests that you've had that might've done that for you? Uh, I would say the people always ask me what's my favorite episode, uh, and I always revert back to the same one. It's Haim, uh, Haim Aman, and it isn't that his business is sexy. It's not that at all. Uh, there are a lot of people with much bigger businesses than his. Uh, the reason why I really always look back to Haim is because he's the only one uh, who got into the business for more time and financial freedom so he can spend more time with his family and stuck to it because we all chase the Jones, keep up with the Joneses, chase this, chase that, got this list. And I'm just as guilty of it, right? Like I got into this business so that I could, you know, do what I want, whenever I want. Like that's kind of the mindset. And that right now, like a priority is to spend time with family, but I'm still competitive. Like I've put it out there. I want to crush Grant Cardone in sales, right? I've put it out there on bigger pockets. 
I want to be the number one sales trainer in the, in the country. Um, you know, um, I've got another friend, Ryan Panita. Um, you know, he's, he's murdering on social media. Yeah. So what do I do? It's like, well, I got to keep up with him. So we hired a media team. We got, we signed another lease. We're going hard. So Heim is very well grounded. He remembers why he started. He knows why he started and he remembered every day why he started. He gets to go to world cups with his kids, right? Um, the, he gets to go to all the playoff games for his favorite team with his, with his family. That's why we started. So long answer. That's my guy. It's because uh, he remembered why he started. I love that. While everyone else forgets when they get into business. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I know you're you're a little bit tight on time here. So, I, I mean, there's a million different things that can still go on to. But one of the things I definitely want to ask, you touched on a little bit, how has martial arts helped you in life and business? I think it's just that, again, being um, chasing mastery. Uh, so I do Kung Fu. I do Wing Chun. And I know there are a lot of MMA guys that look down upon Wing Chun. I would argue they haven't seen the real Wing Chun because actually the, the, the style we study is not taught in, in, outside. So um, when I asked my, my, my Sifu, you know, my, and my grandmaster, like, what, how, how did you guys even figure this out? Like, how is this possible? Because none of this is intuitive, right? Um, none of this is normal. And really what it comes down to is that uh, when you study Kung Fu, the reason you study Kung Fu is for self-mastery. So all the Shaolin monks, you know, when you watch like all, all those um, old highlights, not the existing ones, but like old highlights, this is what they were studying. Like this was created in the Shaolin temple. And so in order to show that you've reached, you know, not, you know, your final destination, but like you've reached like certain status, the way you demonstrated it wasn't, you know, a, a, a quiz or like, you know, talk about how committed you are. It was demonstrating how good you were at Kung Fu. That's how you demonstrated that you've mastered yourself. And so I think taking that mindset and it, it translates in business, translates in sports, anyone that's done anything significant has mastered themselves in at least one category, not all categories, but at least one thing they've mastered. It. I think that's a great answer, man. And uh, is that the one, is that trapping? Is wing, trapping part of Wing Chun? Uh, no, uh, trapping, it's a, I would say the Wing Chun, a lot of it, you see stuff like, you know, you watch It Man on Netflix and, and you watch Bruce Lee. Those are different versions of Wing Chun. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we study has very, very similar mindsets as Krav Maga, uh, which is I am trying to destroy you in less than 15 okay. seconds. I am not trying to fight you for three rounds uh, because it was designed in a system where, um, you know, like 50 guys versus 50 guys. Like this is the system that was designed in. And so I need to debilitate you in less than 15 seconds because I don't know where the next punch is coming from. Right. So like, I feel totally comfortable in a bar fight, but I would never challenge you one-on-one because I know I will get destroyed in the ground game, but in a bar fight, five guys versus five guys, I feel pretty good because we train to fight multiple guys at a time. I love that. And I've heard you say before too, that, uh, you, you've always been not really afraid of confrontation, always quick to stick up for yourself. And because of that, you've avoided a lot of confrontations, which I, I to me is, is everything you know my I, I took my friend's kid to boxing and the jiu-jitsu for years with uh, Ray Longo who again he started out with his Jeet Kune Do guy I believe Matt Sarah's dad was a Wing Chun guy so I mean the stuff you see now on, on UFC wouldn't those guys would never have come and paved the way if it wasn't for the original 
martial arts like you're talking about kind of going yep. through there. But I remember the kid was like 15 years old, maybe younger. And he had the first person that ever really like picked on him. It was his first confrontation in life. And they were like, give us your bike or give us your wallet. And he was like, no. And they were like, we're going to take it. And he was like, okay. And they were like, we're going to go find somebody else to go pick on. And yeah. like, it was like, that's the old karate, Mr. Miyagi, you know, you learn how to fight so you don't have to fight. So that's another thing that I just think for martial arts, keeping you safe and giving you that confidence, just, you know, the guys that bark loud, they don't really want anything to happen. And that's intimidating to them when you bark back. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah, see, I didn't know how to fight until much, much later in my life, but I take my two oldest kids to Kung Fu lessons. Right. And I've actually told them like, Hey, if there's ever a problem in school. Like you have my full blessing to punch them in the face. Like I've got no problems with that. Uh, so growing up, I would get bullied, right? I would get picked on. And I wasn't a small kid, right? I was a nerd, but I wasn't a small kid. And I did not know how to fight. <laughs> but I knew one thing for sure. I will fight you to the end, right? And so there were so many times where someone would start something and I'd be like, all right, it's time to go and nothing. So I never actually got into a fight at all ever in school, despite how often I thought I was going to have to, to defend myself. But I feel like those those lessons of when you get that fight or flight panic and you're able to stay focused and just say, OK, like whatever this is going to be, I'm going for it. And I, I'm not mm -hmm. going to back down from the challenge is exactly what's carried you over to being successful in all of your businesses. Yeah, no. And, and I think that makes sense. Right. It's the and I, I, like you mentioned uh, you know earlier in the podcast mindset, the adversity, you know, like I don't know where this is going to take me, but I'm going to hit it head on. I love it, man. And uh, I, I like to call this the victory lap as we kind of wrap this up with a few last yeah. questions here. You've been awesome with your time. First question is, do you have a favorite book? Um, I reference a lot of people to um, uh, Think and Grow Rich, which, you know, a lot of people say is a difficult read and whatever, uh, which is ironic because the book's about adversity in, you know, persistence. Um, so, you know, it's funny to me. I always laugh when they say they couldn't finish it. Um, but Think and Grow Rich, um, I actually had a chance to read it again, 10 years in my business. And I was thinking like, if I just read that book over and over again, if I just read that book every year, it, a lot of the other books would not have been necessary, which is kind of crazy, right? There's so much genius in that book. And then recently, my, my most favorite book recently is, uh, the road less stupid by Keith Cunningham. I haven't heard of that. I'm going to check that one out. It's instant classic. Awesome, man. Awesome. Knowing what you know now in life and business, what advice would you give a younger Steve Chang? Um, I mean, I would say humility, but I think it's hard to teach someone humility. I think they have to eat dirt. <laughs> uh, so I would say probably, so that's probably not the answer. Then the, other, the thing after that is learning sales, which is what I teach and, and, and preach. Um, because that, that is the fastest way to make money. Right. Like despite everything else, you know, you get this marketing system, lead system, this, that direct mail. Like, what do you do? How do you do this? At the end of the day, sales pays the bills. And so I would say, you know, I wish I studied sales in my first year of my career versus my 11th year of my career. Um, and it's not to say I didn't study sales in the beginning, but I didn't learn it the right way. I learned what everyone teaches. I learned the car sales, sales, not the real connecting with people's sales. That's interesting. I like that. Do you have a, what are some of your favorite quotes? Uh, so Zig Ziglar, you know, um, you can have anything in life you want. So long as you're willing to help enough people get what they want. And Henry Ford is the man who believes he can and the man who believes he can't are both right. 
Excellent quotes. I love both of those. Uh, finally, so talk about how do people find you? How do people listen to your podcast? How do people find out about your sales training, your brokerage? Talk all things Steve Trang. Yeah. So uh, Real Estate Disruptors, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, uh, or YouTube. And then uh, to find me, I'm on Instagram at steve.trang. And then uh, disruptors.com is how you can find more about all the different ways to work with us because there's no shortage of ways to work with us. And that's the sales training. We have the live events. We got a live event tomorrow. Um, and then we have our sales training course. Um, and then we got the brokerage. So if you're in the Phoenix market, stunning homes, realty, you know, uh, we don't even have hundred agents and we have about 1% market share, which out of 40,000 agents, I say, that's pretty good. So that's those it. are all different ways to work with us. Cool. And, and so on the disruptor site, you can go on there and you can see the dates and the, and the options for the different trainings and stuff. Uh, you can see, you know, if you're interested in our, uh, sales training, if you're interested in our mentorship, if you're interested in the brewer method, which is an innovation program. Um, um, or we also have a free wholesaling course, you know, um, you don't have to buy something, right? Like we have our free wholesaling course. Uh, you know, the, I think all the information we put on real estate disruptors is enough for someone to get started. Um, but if someone wanted something more laid out in a, in a structured format, we got our free wholesaling course, which we kind of dive a little bit into, you know, the processes, how to get started, how to get started with no money, how to get started if you have money, but no time just different ways to, to do your first deal, not to build a business, but how to get your first few deals going. I think that's awesome, man. And again, you don't give any shortage of uh, great, valuable content between your social media pages and between your podcast. So I will definitely, if anybody's listening, check the show notes and I'll have live links to everywhere that he just mentioned. This is an absolute honor for me, man. I really appreciate how nice you were to come on and share your time and your experiences. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Yeah, I say the same thing all the time. Uh, there's never been a better time to be alive. It's not a better country to live in. Um, if you want it, it's yours. You got to take it. No one's gonna, it's, Nothing's given. You got to take it, but it's yours if you're willing to pay the price. I love it, man. Well, you obviously bring your A-game to everything you do. I appreciate you coming on. Steve Trang, ladies and gentlemen. Hey.